Appropriate music from Mr. McMillan, trying to get a little help from our friends. And the first friend we should go to, I think, is our outgoing station manager here at uh, KDVS, Mr. Kevin Corrigan. Welcome to Radio Parallax. You're back to Radio Parallax, Kevin. Yes, thank you for having me. I was last on, I believe, during your fundraiser show. I guess you never made an official uh, visit on the show. So, yes, welcome. We, we want to talk to you about uh, your dad. Your dad was a reporter for the L.A. Times, and we'd like to get him on in the future, but, uh, but I haven't done my homework, so I wanted to uh, do a little prelude about that uh, talk with you, Kevin. So, yes, it's true. My dad was a reporter and then now is currently serving as the business editor of the Los Angeles Times. And being in such a position, he's had a large number of wonderful experiences um, that he's imparted upon me. He's done a few things around the state. He uh, always did a bunch of travel pieces for a little freelance money on the side. And so he ended up visiting some of the you know weirder corners of the state. And one of his favorite things and places to go was to visit the newly built Indian casinos that seemed to sprout up <laughs> you know, very quickly. And at least in the last 10 years, there have been a large number of them. We're hooked right there, okay? We got, we got to talk to him about that. that there's, a lot, there's a lot of skullduggery and interesting stuff that went on into the whole Indian casino thing. Oh, yeah, and all kinds of, you know, suspicious tax laws they're working around, all, the, all kinds of exemptions, environmental stuff, and then just the fun they have, you know, what they, how, they, how they drag people into those places with performers, drinks, the whole, the whole line yard. It's a pretty interesting little story. Well, there, there was an article, I think it was Inspire, one of the magazines, when this first started about 20 years ago, that talked about Arab sheiks and CIA guys and gun runners and all kinds of strange people in bed together as they were setting up Indian, uh, these Indian reservations with, with the autonomy to have casinos. So I, I really want to do that one. That's fabulous. Yeah, it seems to be where, wherever there's money, there's always weird stuff going on, but I guess <laughs> you're, you're very aware of that. Oh, yeah, that we'll, we'll do that one. Did he follow the OJ case or something? Was he... Yeah, he followed, a lot. he followed the O.J. case pretty heavily back when he worked at the L.A. Daily News, and then he's done a magazine piece for the L.A. Times Magazine um, a ways back. But he has a lot of insights there, and he has also he's been watching the LAPD for a while, so I think any good questions, uh, anything the LAPD's done, he's been, you know, checking their power <laughs> through the pen yeah. for at least 25 years or so, and if not more. So any questions you have about how things have changed and how things started, I know... Yeah, he shared some stories when he was a very young reporter. They used to be a lot more wild. Yeah. And that, that's, he's, he's at least seen them temper down, and, you know, <laughs> as, as he's aged. Well, it used to be a little different, at least in the 70s. Yeah. Well, with your direction, sir, I will do my preparatory work in the next week or two, and then we'll, uh, we'll bring your dad on. Well, that sounds great, then. Yeah, Kevin, I know there's been a lot of distinguished reporters at the L.A. Times. They had some foreign bureaus. That they did a, they've done a lot of good reporting over the years, so I'm sure he's got some colleagues that will be interesting to talk about as well. Yes, yes, definitely. I know there's a few Pulitzers sitting at desks right now uh, <laughs> in that building, so there's no shortage of uh, great minds down at that wonderful paper. Sure, it was, it was my paper when I was in medical school, so you know I, I read a lot of it, and, they, and, then they were, and I have to take my hat off to them. They, they did some really fine reporting, so this will be fun. All right, Kevin Corrigan, uh, you're sticking around the next year or two, aren't you? Or, or... I 
I'm not sure yet, but I'll be sure to let you and your listeners know if I will be around. In fact, we'll see if the grad school things work out as I hope. Otherwise, it's back to the wonderful, uh, you know, Los Angeles basin for me. All right. Well, after we talk to your dad, we'll talk to you too. So this will be a, this will be a two for uh, probably. I imagine the week after next. Sounds great. All right, Kevin. Thanks. All right, uh, we're going to get some more help from our friends here as we talk about uh, some interesting goings-on in Utah, the turning out of Robert Bennett, a political insider if there ever was one, and to help us talk about that and maybe a few other things is our good pal, investigative journalist Lisa Pease. Welcome back, Lisa. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, uh, what do you think about this fact that uh, Bob Bennett, ultimate insider here in Utah, a guy whose father was a senator in Utah and a man who knows where some bodies were buried regarding the Watergate case, uh, got turned out. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think it shows that kind of the, a certain generation of the CIA is suddenly out of power <laughs> or maybe out of existence. I mean, Richard Helms is dead, and some of the other sponsors of people like Bob Bennett are long gone. But uh, there was a time, uh, for example, in 1973, in March, when he was talking to his case officer and, and talking about how he had given you know, special information to Bob Woodward of the Washington Post to paint the agency in a favorable light, for example. And uh, We should back up just a hair to note that uh, maybe that in the time of Watergate and Bob Woodward and and, uh, and Carl Bernstein are, of course, famous for being the reporters that broke the story. There were a lot, lots of subplots and a lot of people that were feeding him data. And, and it's interesting that, that Robert Bennett was employing Watergate burglar E. Howard Hunt before he got busted at the Watergate, which is a rather strange sort of a harmonic convergence. Right. And actually, E. Howard Hunt was not, I, I believe he was not actually physically present at the Watergate, but uh, he was nearby. He was directing the break-in. And he'd been a party to an earlier break-in, because there were actually several break-ins of the Watergate that most people aren't aware of. The the one that became famous was only one in a series. It was it was the, the right. last one where they got caught. Right. But yeah, but uh, Bob Bennett was one of the people at the Mullen Company, which was a front for the CIA, which employed E. Howard Hunt when he was ostensibly retired for the third time from the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Love how this works. Yeah. Know. Bob Bennett, you know, is is talking. There's a memo here. There's a memorandum for the deputy director for plans by Eric Eisenstadt. It's in an appendix of Jim Hogan's excellent, excellent book on the Watergate case called Secret Agenda, Watergate Deep Throat in the CIA. I, th- I think this is the best book on Watergate. You know, a guy, we've got to get Jim Hogan on this show at some point, too, but go, but go ahead. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Anyway, so, so there Bob Bennett is, and he's talking about how he rather proudly related that he's responsible for the article Whispers About Colson in the March 5th issue of Newsweek. Mr. Bennett does not believe the company, meaning the CIA, right. will be bothered much by the news media, which is concluding that, quote, the company is clean and has gotten a bum rap while the real culprits are getting scot-free, unquote. Mr. Bennett also said he has been feeding stories to Bob Woodward of the Washington Post with the understanding that there would be no attribution to Bennett. So, I mean, there's Bob you know, Bennett, future senator of uh, Utah, helping cover up for the CIA and the whole Watergate affair. And how this guy remains senator for all these years, I just don't understand. I mean... Yeah, I'm less surprised by that fact, the fact that this guy who's obviously a player, obviously well-connected, gets tossed out by the so-called Tea Partiers uh, that last month. 
Right, right. And of course, you know, my feeling about that is that just proves a certain generation of CIA people are dead. <laughs> they can't protect Bennett anymore. Bennett's an old guy. And, yeah. And uh, Richard Helms, who was, you know, the one who recommended E. Howard Hunt to the Mullen Company that Bennett worked for, Richard Helms is dead. You know, all these guys are dead now. And for, so, former CIA director, a man who, uh, again, uh, if anybody knew where some bodies were buried, it was him. But but what I mean this I just think it's very strange that is there some sort of right wing move to the right going uh, taking place in the Republican Party that's tossing out the old guard. Well, sadly, I think it's happening on the right and the left. Meaning, everybody wants massive change. People on the left think the 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 Democrats aren't left enough, and people on the right think the Republicans aren't conservative enough. Right. And so the country is becoming more and more polarized. And the center is being abandoned. And I I think that's a mistake. I mean, I'm pretty far to the left myself, but I I see real value in the center. And I like having debate, and I I don't think the left has all the answers. And, you know, I like to hear from the right, and I I like the counterbalance. I think that was built into our country from the start, and it was a good thing. And as we become more extreme and more polarized from each other and we stop listening, I mean, there used to be a time where... Senators from the you know Republican Party and the Democratic Party would argue during the day and then go out for drinks at night and have dinner together right. and go to each other's birthday right. parties and 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 just socialize together. That doesn't happen anymore. It's it's a completely different environment. There's no such thing now as bipartisanship, and I I really think that's a shame because, like I said, I don't think either party has all the answers. Although I favor one over the other. But I, I do think dialogue is absolutely critical and necessary and a useful balance. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I just look around. I see Bennett getting tossed out. I see Arlen Specter getting tossed out this week. I see uh, some strange things going on. You know what? We'll have you come back in a week or two. Let's try and put – you and I need to probably uh, figure out how to even tackle this because it's so hard to, con- to boil this down for some of our younger listeners who – Maybe don't know some of what we're talking about, so we'll have to give a little bit of a of, of a of a background, I think, on some of this, and let's do that in a couple of weeks. Definitely, we're coming up on the anniversary of the Watergate break-in, so that'd be. Oh, good there you go. Okay, we got our Watergate show lining up already. So, Lisa, come all back, right. come back in a month, and we'll do we'll talk about all that. Sounds good. All right, Lisa Pease, thanks again. All right, uh, speaking speaking about spy versus spy stuff, I think we'll end with a couple items here about uh, the brave new world we're now living in and how everyone's spying on everyone else thanks to the Internet. Interesting article in the San Jose Mercury News by Patrick May talking about how online tools are making it easy to investigate new friends. The article cites a private detective who said he uses Google Street View before doing surveillance to see where he can hide unobserved. Article cites a recent survey by consumer review site Retrievo, which notes that 36% of respondents said they checked their spouse or partner's email or call history without their knowledge, with those under 25 doing it even more. Article quotes an expert saying that once you put information online, it's there forever, so you can look someone up on Facebook, look at their house on Google Earth, and follow them around on Twitter. This correspondent finds a lot of this somewhat disturbing. Here's something really disturbing. Article in the Wall Street Journal notes that uh, certain nonprofit hospitals apparently hunting for prospective donors are using data mining software to screen admissions records so they can find wealthy patients who have shown a prior interest in the hospital. And those who then make the cut may enjoy a bedside visit from the patient relations director who offers perks like free parking passes for visitors. 
Article cites uh, marketing researchers who note that nearly half of all charities now use these uh, data mining tools to research donors. Love a quote from the article. While your favorite nonprofit isn't busy saving the whales, chances are it's making a serious behind-the-scenes effort to know you better. Using increasingly sophisticated technology, it can survey your salary history, scan your LinkedIn connections, and use satellite images to eyeball the size of your swimming pool. Adding, if it's really on the ball, the charity can even get an email alert when your stock holdings double. Scary stuff. We'll have to talk about it more. But final item of the day. One guy who perhaps regrets not doing more data mining might be the guy that married Sandra Bullock. According to Michelle Bombshell McGee, who's here with Bullock's husband, Jesse James, led to their breakup. The problem in the marriage came partly because Sandra sleeps with nine dogs. I'm not sure we can trust data coming from someone named Bombshell McGee, or for that matter, Jesse James. But apparently the marriage at least partly went on the rocks because of Bullock's insistence upon inviting all nine dogs into the couple's bed. A practice which reportedly put a damper on their sex life. Said McGee, I feel bad for her. I do. But she slept with all those dogs in the bed. And although Radio Parallax is unable to confirm whether McGee really does feel bad for Sandra Bullock, we have to agree sleeping with all those dogs in the bed is one pretty dumbass idea. Out of time. Our thanks to Kevin Corrigan, Lisa Pease, and our old pal Will Durst. We'll see you next week at the same time. I'm Douglas Everett. And ladies, as we close, please don't sleep with dogs in your bed. Because I gotta tell you, I've been there and we don't like it. This has been Radio Parallax. Get back, you flea-infesting mongrel <laughs> Gonna tell myself I'm man, no get angry Hey, yeah.